John chapter 4, we're beginning with verse 1. John chapter 4, verse 1. Today we're going to talk about the value of a soul, the value of one individual, one life is important to God. Every individual is important, and God has a plan for your life, and he has a plan for those that you come in contact with every day, wherever you go, wherever you work, wherever you play, wherever you uh, associate with individuals in your sphere of uh, influence. Uh, God wants to use you to influence them for good and for God and for his kingdom, to bring people out of darkness into his marvelous light. We see in this story here in John chapter 4, beginning with verse 1, when therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not, but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee, and he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to the city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now, Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water, and Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away in, unto the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. And Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who, is it, who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and who would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep from whence then hast thou that living water. Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us of the, gave us the well and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? And Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. So Jesus here is on his way, and he stops in this place uh, by Jacob's well, and it says he must go through Samaria. I believe that God had a plan, God had a place, God had a time, and God had a person. And God had a plan for this particular lady, this lady standing by the well. Jesus asked her for a drink of water. And, uh, of course, she was somewhat taken back by that because she said, uh, Why do you ask of me a drink of water? Uh, being a woman of Samaria first, uh, being a woman that was not uh, in that culture and in that day, uh, for him to uh, talk to her was not uh, the most appropriate. And then, of course, uh, Jesus crosses that barrier, breaks down that wall, and he speaks to this woman of Samaria. Then, uh, being a Samaritan woman, it says the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. So again, he broke down the barrier. He broke down the wall. He broke with tradition, and he spoke to the woman uh, of Samaria. And so he, in speaking with her, he said, if you drink of this water, you will never... 
never thirst again. He's talking about eternal life, receiving the life of God. And he said, if you drink of this water that comes out of the well, uh, it, you will thirst again. But if you drink of the water that I'm talking about, this eternal life, it'll be like a well of water, a spring of water springing up on the inside of you. In other words, you'll never be separated from this well that is on the inside, this spring of water that leaps up on the inside of you. You'll not be separated from it. You'll not have to come to a natural well, although, of course, we understand there's natural water and there's spiritual water, but Jesus used natural illustrations to communicate a spiritual truth or a spiritual reality. And so in this case, he's speaking to this woman of Samaria, and he says that there will be a well of water springing up into everlasting life. It'll satisfy your thirst. If you continue to read the story here, this woman of Samaria, Jesus said, uh, go call your husband. And uh, she said, well, I have no husband. Jesus, by revelation, he had a word of knowledge, and he said, you have well spoken. You have no husband. You've had five husbands, and the one you're with right now is not your husband. So she's made the rounds. Obviously, she has some uh, dissatisfaction in her life. Uh, she's been with at least five husbands, and now she's with another man, and she's uh, still not satisfied. You know, in life, there's a lot of ways that people try to satisfy that spiritual hunger and that desire on the inside that only God can satisfy. It may be uh, men or it may be women or it may be uh, sex outside of marriage. It may be uh, some kind of drug or some kind of alcohol. It may be money. It may be success. It may be all kinds of things that people try to fill the void with uh, in their lives. But nevertheless, there's one that can satisfy you like nothing in this world and his name is Jesus and Jesus Christ met this woman and he said yes you've had five husbands the ones that you're with you're with now he's not your husband and uh, she perceived him to be a prophet she thought well surely he is a prophet and in the uh, discourse that continues here he disclosed himself to be the Christ and uh, he revealed himself for who he was that he was the Christ he was the Messiah she chose to believe that he was and in her believing her life was transformed as it is with anyone's life who really believes in their heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God God and allows Jesus access into their heart, giving them eternal life. They can have this well of water, this spring of water springing up on the inside of them every day of their life. They can experience life that this world cannot give. This world couldn't give it to you and the world can't take it away. Praise God. There is a life that God himself gives. Jesus is the way. He's the truth. He's the life. He said, he that believes on me has everlasting or eternal eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. This eternal life comes from Jesus himself and he provided it because he died. He was buried and he was raised again. He gave his life so that we could have eternal life. And so this eternal life is available. Whosoever will, let him come and take of the waters of life freely. God's made it av available through the person of his son 
come through the death and resurrection of Christ. And anyone who believes on Jesus can have eternal life. So he's given her a preview, really, of what is to come. He's given her a preview of what is going to happen in the future, that Jesus was going to die, be buried, and raised again, and he was going to give to whoever would believe in him eternal life. This woman believed that he was a Christ. They, she believed that he was the Son of God. And she believed so much that she went and told, it says, the men of the city. Interesting, the men of the city. She's been around. She's, uh, she knows the men of the city. And probably some of the women didn't talk to her, but she knew some men. And it doesn't matter where you've been. If you allow Jesus Christ access into your heart, Jesus will so transform your heart and your life that when you bear testimony to what God has done, people will recognize there's been a reverse, there's been a change, there's been something supernatural, a supernatural intervention into your life experience that you have changed on the inside, which changes you on the outside. You don't have to wait till you have 10 scriptures that you can quote. You don't have to wait until you know half of the New Testament or, or, or some of the Old Testament. You don't have to wait to testify of the goodness of God I mean, when you first get saved, some of the uh, most effective witnesses that I know are people that have just gotten saved, and they're so excited about their faith in God that they go tell somebody. And you got to have some kind of fervency on the inside that you don't lose that first love that you once had, that you keep on telling somebody about somebody, and that somebody is Jesus. You keep telling somebody about Jesus. You tell somebody because God values every individual. He values every soul, every life. Even if you've been married five times and you're living with somebody else, God wants to set you free. And he wants to satisfy your soul. And he wants to make you whole rather than going to look for somebody else that still is not going to satisfy you. It's like the lady that went on the cruise, and she was on a cruise ship, and she was walking around the pool, and she saw this uh, man sitting there that she thought looked nice, and she went over to him, and she said, you know, you look like my fifth husband. <laughs> he said, how many times have you been married? And she said, four. So she's still not satisfied. She's She's looking for somebody else to fill the void. She's looking for somebody else to fill that lacking in her soul, that lacking in her life. And listen, God only can fill the void in the human heart because Jesus created you to have relationship with God and God created you to have fellowship with him. And so God only can fill the void of your life. It is not another drug. It is not another drink. It's not another thing in this world that's going to satisfy your soul, nothing like Jesus. Hallelujah. This world will not satisfy you. You keep looking, you keep longing, you keep searching, you keep finding, and yet you're still not satisfied. So look to Jesus. He's the only one, and he is the living Christ. He's a living Messiah. He is the Lord of Lords. He is the King of Kings. He is the Lord of Glory. He's the one that can make you whole again. And so this woman, she was made whole supernaturally by the power of Jesus Christ. And so when she went and told the men of that city, they believed. We knew her before, and there's been a change. 
Something is different about her life. She said, come, uh, come see a man that told me all that ever I did. In other words, when Jesus gave that word of knowledge concerning her life, it opened her heart. He must be from God. He must be a prophet of God. But he was more than a prophet. He was a son of God. He was God manifest in the flesh. He was the anointed one, the Christ that came to live, to walk as a man, but then to die on a cross and be raised again. So she recognized he was was the Messiah. He was the Christ and she believed. So when she told it, she told it with conviction. When you know Jesus, remember it says in the book of Acts they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. When you've been with Jesus, when you know Jesus and you have a relationship with Jesus, when you talk there is a recognizable experience. Somebody recognizes that you've been with Jesus and that you know him. And so when you're speaking, the Holy Spirit reveals Jesus to their heart. And so in that case, the men of that city, many were saved and they came to Jesus. They came to hear him themselves. And then they said, now we don't believe on him just because of what you said, but we believe on him because of his own words. When you hear Jesus for yourself, that makes all the difference. When you hear his voice yourself, it makes all the difference. Then you have a real strong conviction. This woman had a conviction, but now these men came, and they had a conviction that Jesus was the Christ. He was the Messiah. He was the anointed one. He was the one that came to give life. And, friend, you can have that kind of conviction on the inside of you that you, too, value people that you run into in life, that you meet on your job, that you meet in your workplace, you meet in your community, uh, on the ball field or wherever you may find yourself, God has somebody on the way to your next step in life. In other words, in your path, God has prepared some people. God, no doubt, had prepared this Samaritan woman sitting or standing by a well, and Jesus Christ came, and she met with him. Listen, there are a lot of people in your life that you need to introduce to Jesus Christ. You need to introduce to the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, the, the one that you've met and you have a personal relationship with. you got to tell somebody what Jesus has done for you. That's what that woman did. She went and told what Jesus had done for her. So don't lose your testimony. Don't let go of your testimony. Use your testimony for Jesus Christ. The apostle Paul told his testimony in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 9, he met Jesus on the road to Damascus. His life was totally transformed. That's my expectation. When people meet Jesus, that there is a total transformation of their life. Don't ever lose that first love, but keep Keep serving Jesus, loving Jesus, pleasing Jesus, walking with Jesus, and testifying to his goodness and his grace. When you're living for him, people recognize Jesus is living on the inside of you. When you're walking with him and fellowshipping with him, when you talk, people recognize Jesus is in fellowship with you and you're in fellowship with him. So I'm encouraging you, stay in fellowship with the Father every day of your life and let your light so shine before men that they would see your good works and glorify him, your Father which is in heaven. They see the theme scripture of this church is you shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life. In Philippians chapter 2, 15 and 16, you shine as a light in this world. 
amongst a crooked and perverse nation, a people that are walking uh, away from God and walking against God's plan and God's purpose for their life. But right in the middle of that, you shine like a light. You need to stand out as different. You need to stand out as a light in your job, in your workplace, wherever you go in life. You need to stand out as someone who is in fellowship with Jesus so that people around you recognize Jesus is alive. But when you tell them what you have on the inside, you open up and you share your testimony of the goodness of God. Look what the Lord has done. Paul, right before King Agrippa, he shared his testimony probably 17, 18 years later after his conversion. So don't ever think that your testimony is obsolete. It's not obsolete. Look what the Lord has done for you. And God will use certain parts of your testimony. You may not always be able to tell the whole thing, but certain parts because God knows how to relate with people where they are. Jesus related with this woman where she was. He didn't try to tell her about 10 theological uh, discussions and, and, and try to uh, get into all kinds of spiritual doctrines. No, she even tried to go that way. He just pointed her to Jesus. Amen. He just pointed her to himself. And so when, when you're having a discourse with people, if they don't know much about the gospel and not much about Jesus, just be simple. Keep it simple. And share the simple gospel of Jesus Christ. Share your testimony of what, testimony of what the Lord has done for you and let God persuade them. Let the Holy Spirit talk to them. The Holy Spirit will use your testimony. He did with the Apostle Paul. He'll do it with your life. And many of you have experienced that when you've shared your testimony with people witnessing and sharing the gospel. It, it just affects them and and opens their heart. If God did it for you, he'll do it for them. Amen? He's no respecter of persons. He'll do it for anyone. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Anybody can call on Jesus and be born again. Can you say amen? amen. Let's go, if you will, to Acts chapter 8, please. Acts chapter 8. We're going to look to verse 26. Acts chapter 8 and verse 26. In verse 26, it says, The angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. So the angel of the Lord spoke to Philip. He gave him direction. He told him where to go. He said, Go uh, to Jerusalem. Uh, he said, Down from Jerusalem to Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went. So he obeyed the angel's instruction. He arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, an eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for to worship. Here is a man of great authority, a man of great influence, a great means, wealth, and he has charge of all the uh, queen's wealth, and yet God was thinking of one man. You know, God has a plan for every individual. This woman of Samaria, she had a different kind of influence. She had gone a different direction with her life. But now there's a man here of Ethiopia. He has a great authority and great influence. And yet God was wanting to send somebody to him. God values one individual. 
You know, Jesus preached to multitudes. And multitudes followed him and wanted to hear him speak and wanted to see the miracles that he did, wanted to see him heal the sick or uh, raise the leper up or, 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 or open the blind eyes or uh, even raise the dead. So people followed him and, and wanted to touch him and wanted to get close to him. But yet Jesus was willing to stop for one person standing by a well. And listen, Jesus is still stopping for one person. God knows how to, uh, to direct you and put you in the right place at the right time for a season of somebody's life where they're ripe and ready for the picking, so to speak. They're ready to come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. You know, in the story about the uh, woman of Samaria, one of the things that Jesus said to her, he said, lift up your eyes. Actually, he was saying to the disciples later because uh, they came back. They had went away to buy food and, uh, because Jesus was hungry and they were hungry and Jesus had sent them to buy food and they were coming back and, and they said to Jesus, uh, Jesus, here's the food. And he said, I have meat to eat that you don't know about. In other words, I am stronger now than when you left. I have meat to eat that you don't know about. And they said, well, does anybody give you anything to eat? And then he went on to say about the harvest. He talked about the harvest. And he said, I want you to uh, recognize that the harvest is out there. It's ripe. It's ready. Lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they're white already to harvest. They're waiting for somebody to come. So Jesus used his experience with the woman of Samaria to tell them there was a harvest, but not just one, but there was a multitude of people that are waiting to be harvested. So here in the book of Acts, we see that Philip is being used by the Spirit of God. Now, if you study earlier in the book of Acts, Philip is serving tables. He's serving widows for the for the church to be able to minister to the needs of widows. He's serving widows. And now he's out preaching the gospel. And while he's preaching, the Holy Spirit or angel talked to him and told him where to go. <coughs> and now he's uh, seeing this eunuch, this eunuch that is of great authority, uh, riding in his chariot. And verse 28, it says, He was returning and sitting in his chariot, reading Isaiah, the prophet, meaning Isaiah, the prophet, and the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. Go join yourself to this chariot. So he's recognizing that there is a harvest. Jesus used this experience that he had to teach a principle regarding the harvest to get the disciples to start seeing there's people that you need to reach with the gospel. Now here, Philip is seeing that there's somebody he needs to reach. The Spirit of God is speaking to him. Angel has sent him this way, and now the Spirit of God speaks to him and says, Go join yourself to this chariot, which means you got to identify with where people are. Like Jesus identified with where she was. She, he, he related with where this woman was. Now, in this case, this man is a, a religious man and a person that has some love for God and, and he wants to worship God. He came to Jerusalem to worship God. He's reading the Bible on his way back. He's reading Isaiah. 
And so the Spirit of God said, join yourself to this chariot. Verse 30, and Philip ran to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, understandest thou what thou readest? Do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. So if you'll just endeavor to relate with people, which is what Philip did. He came up, he, he said, do you understand what you're reading? No, I don't understand. Unless someone could help me. And so he invited Philip into his chariot. So he begins to uh, give him some definition or understanding of the scriptures that he, were, he was reading. Verse 32 says, in the place of the scripture which he read, he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shearer, he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. So this, these verses are talking about Jesus. It's prophetic concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet, of himself or of some other man? And Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture, and he preached unto him Jesus. He used the scripture. He used where that person was. Just uh, recently I was sitting with Fernando, and Fernando was telling me he was uh, in a small group, and there were a number of uh, Catholics there in that small group he was teaching as an extension of Palabra Divina. And so while he's uh, teaching them, uh, he was teaching them from the Word. So he was going off of the questions that they were asking. And he presented the gospel to them, and two of them accepted Jesus Christ and were born again. Now, what happened was he communicated based upon their interest. And he was able to lead them to the Lord Jesus Christ. So as a believer, you can take where people are and you can take them to Jesus or lead them to the water, so to speak. Lead them to the Lord Jesus Christ and use whether they're religious in their background or whether they uh, don't have any re religious affiliation or religious background. I mean, in the woman uh, there uh, by the well, I mean, she had some religious uh, background, but obviously she wasn't following her religious creed. And so yet Jesus related with her where she was at and brought her to himself. Here Philip is relating with this man where he is and bringing him to Jesus Christ. And of course, he said, well, I want to be baptized. And he said, well, the only thing you need to do is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And the man believed on Jesus. Why? Because Philip took him to the scripture and showed him where Jesus was in the scripture. And if you'll take people to the Bible, certainly use your testimony. Use what the experiences that you've had with God and take them to the Bible. Take them to the gospel. And you don't have to be elaborate with your knowledge. You just need to know something about Jesus, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and be able to present it simply and effectively with the grace and the love of God flowing through you. Amen? Now, let's go to another passage in the book of Acts as well, in Acts chapter 10. In Acts chapter 10, we see that... Uh, Peter was praying on a housetop. He was praying. He was seeking God. But there was another man that was seeking God as well. His name was Cornelius. And Cornelius was a centurion. He was a 
uh, a man that loved God based on what he knew. He didn't know very much. He didn't know anything about Jesus. He didn't know anything about uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ. He was actually a Gentile. And so he didn't know Jesus. He had, didn't have a relationship with God. And he had given alms, the scripture says, his, his alms and his prayers. He was a man of prayer, praying to God best he knew how. And yet he didn't uh, know Jesus or didn't uh, have a personal relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. So he was religious and he was doing what he knew. And yet while he's praying, the angel of the Lord came to him and spoke to him. And he, and he said, I want you to send for Peter, who is at Simon's house, the tanner. And I want you to send for him, and he'll come, and he'll speak words to you. And so he sent some uh, people there uh, to find Peter. And now this is a supernatural intervention. God is setting up a supernatural appointment, isn't he? It's a divine appointment that God is setting up. And so he sends uh, people from his household, uh, servants, to, uh, to find Peter at Simon's house. And, and they knock on the door. Well, in the meantime, Peter is up on the housetop, and he's praying. And while he's praying, he saw a vision. Let's go here in uh, Acts chapter 10. We'll begin uh, with verse 9. Verse 9 says, And on the morrow, as they went on their journey and drew nigh unto the city, Peter went up upon the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. And he became very hungry and would have eaten. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven open and a certain vessel descending unto him as it had been a great sheet at the four corners, knit at the four corners and let down to the earth, wherein were all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth, wild beasts and creeping things and fowls of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice spoke unto him again the second time, What God has cleansed, that call not thou common. So Peter is thinking from his religious perspective, from his tradition, he's thinking God is endeavoring to talk to him about his eating habits because there were certain food laws that they were to follow. And so he's saying, I've never eaten anything common or unclean, like I'm doing very well in this uh, particular area, God. So uh, what's all this about? And yet God reveals to him that he's not just talking about food laws. He's talking about not calling the Gentile world common or unclean. In other words, you have a, uh, a commission from the head of the church, from God and from the Lord Jesus Christ. You have a commission to preach the gospel further than the Jewish people. You're to preach the gospel to the Gentiles as well. And so God reveals this to him and says in verse 16, And this was done thrice, and the vessel was received up again into heaven. Now while Peter doubted in himself what this vision should which he had seen should mean. Behold, the men which were sent from Cornelius had made in inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate and called and asked whether Simon, which were surnamed Peter, were lodged there. While Peter thought on the vision, the Spirit said unto him, Behold, three men seek thee. Arise, therefore, and get thee down, and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. 
So the Holy Spirit, not only did he see a vision, but now the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, just go with him. Now, he's doubting in himself. He doesn't understand everything that God is trying to communicate to him. But he obeys God. He goes to Cornelius' house, and God reveals to him that he wants to reach beyond the Jewish people. He wants to reach a Gentile world. Now, God is thinking about one man who's reaching out to him. Cornelius is valuable to God. He's reaching out to God. He has some hunger for God. He's praying. He's giving alms. He's doing what he knows to do to have some kind of relationship with God, and yet he doesn't know Jesus. God sees his hunger, and he sends an angel to Cornelius, and Cornelius sends uh, men to Joppa to find Peter. Peter comes to his house, and in the meantime, of course, uh, God is revealing himself to Peter so that he doesn't hold fast to his tradition, that he will break down that barrier, and he'll be able to communicate the gospel in Cornelius' household, which is a Gentile household. And so when he gets there, uh, he preaches the gospel. He preaches uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. While Peter is preaching, the Holy Spirit fell. The Holy Spirit fell on the whole house full of people. And they began to speak with other tongues. In other words, they got, they got saved and they got filled with the Holy Spirit supernaturally while Peter is preaching the gospel. I mean, the Holy Spirit interrupted Peter's sermon. And the whole house full of people got saved. Cornelius' household, his friends, his relationships that were in the house, he, they all got saved and got filled with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because one person was willing to obey what the Holy Spirit had to say. One person was willing to be prompted by the Spirit of God and do what God was directing them to do. Jesus was on his way, but he went through Samaria to meet one person. He valued one soul. One individual was valuable to God, was valuable to Jesus. We see that Philip met up with one man who was valuable to God, and no doubt God used his influence. And even in our day, Ethiopian Jews are coming back to, uh, uh, to Israel. So obviously, this man's influence and other influences uh, affected uh, Ethiopians. And so they, they were uh, Jews, and now they're coming back to their homeland. So think about the power of one person's influence. One person. Think about one person's value. How God values one individual, one person. Jesus left the multitudes and talked to one person. Philip could have continued to preach to the multitudes, but he talked to one person. Why? Because God values one soul. So you need to value one individual. Obviously, God values one individual, and he values the whole world. For God so loved the whole world that he gave his only son. He gave his one individual son, his son. He gave him to die in our place. And Jesus had to value individuals as well as the whole world. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, what did he do? He prayed. He didn't want to go to the cross in his natural side, in his human side. He didn't want to die on a cross. He didn't want to be made sin. But yet, he said, not my will. It said three times Jesus prayed, not my will, but thy will be done. If it is possible, let this cup pass from me. 
Three times he prayed, if it is possible. And the reason it wasn't possible was because there's only one answer to man's sin, and that was Jesus Christ. He was the only one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. Jesus Christ was the answer. He was the only one that could redeem us. He was the only one that could die in our place and be our substitute. He was that Lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world. But realize Jesus, even in his... Uh, in his human side had to make a choice and he said not my will I don't want to just do my will I want to do your will father and he was willing to give his life he laid it down and he laid it down for you and for me he was the one that lamb that suffered in our place and his blood was shed to redeem us and today we can receive his grace and we can receive the gospel and a person's life can be totally transformed just by hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ when a person hears and believes on Jesus God's power transforms their life Jesus comes into their heart and Jesus changes them on the inside and when they are changed on the inside there's potential for change on the outside look what the Lord has done there are testimonies sitting all over this sanctuary this morning. Everywhere, people's lives who have been transformed by a meeting with Jesus Christ. Just like the Apostle Paul's life, when he met with Jesus on the road to Damascus, his life was turned around. He was on one road for destruction, but he turned around, and now he was preaching the gospel. Right directly after he got saved, he preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. You don't have to wait till you're 10 years old in the Lord to preach the gospel or share your faith or share your testimony. Share it now. Tell what the Lord has done for you right now. And if you're 10 years old in the Lord, don't forget what the Lord has done. Don't leave your first love, but maintain your passionate desire to reach souls for the kingdom of God and to reach out to the lost. Get people saved wherever you go. Tell somebody what Jesus has done for you. And if you stay excited and on fire for Jesus Christ, somebody's going to know you've been with Jesus. Somebody's going to know that Jesus lives big on the inside of you. And they're going to want to hear what you say because they see how you live. They see that your passion and your desire and your zeal for Jesus is real. It's alive. Your relationship with God is real. It's alive. And they see that Jesus lives on the inside of you and they see that your fellowship with him is real and they want what you have so if you live the life of Jesus when you tell it it's like show and tell it's like you've shown them the life of Jesus and the power of Christ in a life and how God can transform a life by your lifestyle and living for Jesus and when you tell them they say this thing is real I've seen it Praise God. And it comes out with conviction. It comes out with a divine faith on the inside of you. It comes out of your mouth. And the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to anyone that will believe it. So if you have the boldness to preach it or to tell it, this is not just for the pastor or just for a preacher, an apostle, or prophet. No, this is for everybody. This is for the Phillips that were waiting on tables. And he was preaching the gospel. He was healing the 
sick, when he was waiting on tables. Listen, it's for every believer. It says, go into all the world in Mark 16. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. And he that believes and is baptized shall be saved. And he that believes not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow those that what? Believe. These signs will follow those that believe. Any believer can have signs following them. Any believer can preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Anybody can tell of the goodness of God in their own life and tell what Jesus has done for them and tell them how they also can know Jesus. They can have a relationship with God, and every day you ought to be on a quest. I said, every day you ought to be on a quest. There are men that the Scripture says in the book of Acts that hazarded their lives. In other words, they were willing to risk their lives for the gospel of Jesus Christ. There are people all over the world today that even are losing their life because of their confession of faith in Jesus Christ because there are people that hate them and destroy them, kill them, and they're being martyred. Why? Because they will not deny their faith in Jesus Christ. Listen, we have it easy. All you got to do is tell somebody. All you've got to do is share your faith. If somebody wants to intimidate you or back you into a corner and say, well, you can't do that here. Oh, no. We can do it anywhere in the world. Praise God. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. If you don't want to hear it, somebody does. I said, if you don't want to hear it, somebody does. Somebody will have ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to them. There's somebody waiting. There is a ripened harvest. There's somebody on your path of obedience that God has planned and strategically set on your path, and God will cause your path to cross their life. Praise God. God will be, uh, do you like Philip? He'll put you where you need to be. He'll put you with the right person. He'll put you there at the right time, and he will give you words to say, words to speak. Don't let the world or your own natural mind or your lack of knowledge even intimidates you and tell you that you can't share your faith in Jesus. Anybody can. Do you know Jesus died? Do you know he was buried? Do you know he was raised? Well, just tell them. Praise God. Do you know he shed his blood? Do you know he gave his life? Well, just tell them. Do you know that he loved the world? Then just tell them. Just tell them what you know. Don't wait till you know everything because you never will. Just tell them what you know. Let somebody know what you know, what God. Listen, it must have been enough to change your life. It must have been enough for you to receive eternal life. If it was enough for you to receive eternal life, it's enough for them to receive eternal life. So tell them what you know. Don't hold back. You've got good news. The world is full of bad news. There's negative things everywhere. There's negative news everywhere, but thank God there's some good news in the air. There's news that Jesus is alive, that Jesus is coming again, that Jesus is risen from the dead, that Jesus Jesus is Lord, and if you'll tell somebody, somebody is going to believe it. If you'll tell somebody, somebody is going to receive it. And if they'll believe it and receive it, they'll be saved, and they'll receive this eternal life, and they too will have their life transformed, and they will see God's goodness in their lives. Can you say amen? amen.